I believe Paul and others in the past, like us, were driven by fear. I think that's one of the reasons Paul wrote this detailed letter to his partner in ministry, Timothy. You know, he, he's got this, uh, uh, this idea of everything that he thinks the church should look like and what it should be doing. And he wants to make sure that Timothy has uh, everything he needs uh, while he's away, while, while Paul is away. And so he wants to make sure that he follows uh, all of his, uh, the expectations that Paul has for the church. And theologian Michael Gorman reminds us, Timothy is a charge to ensure that the church's corporate life embodies certain elements. And Paul here is speaking against the love of money, not money itself necessarily, but as a whole, this letter and a lot of, a lot of what Paul writes uh, can, can be challenging, especially to our way of thinking, because of how uh, Paul addresses groups that are oppressed, specifically women in, in, as well. And in our gospel, we have to stop and see what was happening at the time this was taking place. We look at the characters and their roles in the story. Now, all of us here today, we have been following Jesus' journey to Jerusalem for quite some time now in our Gospel of Luke. We've read about Jesus teaching and praying with his disciples, among other things. And before this parable in our Gospel, Jesus is speaking to the tax collectors and all those who were known to be the lovers of money. And so scholars debate who Jesus was really preaching to through this parable. But I think that Jesus was teaching all, regardless. And I think that's what we are also called to do, to preach this message to all and find ways to identify with the characters we are presented with today. We hear of the rich man dressed in purple and fine linen, and he feasted sumptuously every day. 
Now, we know then that th this, just this first sentence tells us a lot about this rich man. It, for one, tells us that this is who he is. He is a rich man. He is a privileged man. It's not, you know, it's not something that he, uh, one day he's got it good and one day not so good. He's, he's got it good. He's got that purple uh, fine linen that, is, that was connected to royalty at the time. And we also hear of Lazarus. Now, it is important to note that this is not the friend of Jesus and the brother of Mary and Martha. Although these are the only two times we hear specific characters named Lazarus in the New Testament. The Lazarus in our Gospel today and the Lazarus in the Gospel of John. We never hear, now the one thing, a few things they have in common in that we never hear either Lazarus speak in these stories. But the Lazarus of our Gospel today is a poor man. And we know that Jesus' friend Lazarus was not poor, or at least he did not lay at the gate of a rich man longing for food, as the text tells us today. We know that Jesus' friend Lazarus had a house. He shared it with his sisters, right? And that's it. That's all we know about these two characters. Just that one was very poor and longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the other's table. We do not know how he be behaved outside of this, this specific scene in the story. But we know that the rich was tormented after death while the poor one was with Abraham and the angels. I think this parable challenges us and might even make us feel un uncomfortable because of the outcome. It makes us wonder who we are in the story. And a few details stand out. We only hear the rich man speak after death. And it makes me get curious about what the author was doing with that. What does it mean to hear the rich man speaking in Hades? The story allows us, or this parable, allows us to see and interpret the rich man's actions as presented in the bigger picture. What do his actions mean for us today? We don't know how the rich man lives, but we learn enough about him just by this interaction. He had the opportunity to respond differently to Lazarus because we know that Lazarus is sitting at, at the gate. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores, meaning this wasn't a one-time thing. This was something that Lazarus was experiencing daily. Instead, the rich man finds himself in Hades where he was being torment tormented. Now I think that Jesus, through this parable, is reminding us that we will be held accountable for what we do with what we are given. Lazarus represents that neighbor that we sometimes choose to ignore, perhaps those with no voice. Yet I find it so hopeful that even after death, we don't hear from Lazarus, but we know that he is with the angels. In other words, Jesus is very well aware of the silent needs and prayers, both of Lazarus and those whom we may ignore today. 
We love to create stories when we do not understand someone. Well, they're in house for a reason. Well, they're coming here illegally. Well, they should have done it the right way. When we read about someone's death or someone's illness, we find reason for that too. Well, they must have been up to no good. We become experts at crucifying others. And most times it's because we are so driven by our own fear. So I invite you today to ask yourself, who is your neighbor? Jesus implicitly through this parable is, is calling us to be a certain way, uh, uh, something that Paul does explicitly in our lessons today, right? But as for you, man of God, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. Who is that person who you know you are choosing to keep silence, to keep and leave outside the gate? This parable calls us to a new way of life, challenges us to do differently, to realize that we have options. We can slow down to listen, slow down to understand, not always to respond. To see that though Lazarus may not have said a word, Jesus knew his heart. And Jesus, Jesus still continued on his journey to Jerusalem, even after this, right? Even after teaching this. And, and continued on his way to, to Jerusalem knowing what the outcome would be. For you, for me, and knows our hearts. That's the invitation today. To think of our neighbor, whether it's the immigrant that you have crucified or the lonely student at school having lunch on their own. You know who your neighbor is. I know who my neighbor is. And we're invited to learn from the, in this parable to see how we respond and how we welcome and how we allow others to see and hear and witness the good news that we are all called to experience. Amen.